0: Welcome back to Chasing Dramas. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese history and culture through historical Chinese dramas in both Mandarin Chinese and English. This is Karen. And this is Kathy. We are currently discussing Empresses in the Palace, Hou Gong Jin Huan Zhuan. Last episode, we discussed the ending of one of our favorite characters, the famous Hua Fei. I think we needed a bit of a break to mourn the loss of such a wonderful character. Today, we will be talking about episode 43 of the drama, which is another key turning point of the show. Many secrets are revealed here. If you are new to the podcast, please start with the intro to the podcast and intro to the drama episodes. Send us any comments or feedback you may have to ChasingDramasPodcast at gmail.com. Share this podcast with your friends. We just love talking about dramas and dissecting them. Anyone who might like to hear our thoughts, please have them listen in. Before we get started, though, with the episode recap, I wanted to do this in the last episode, but since it was already incredibly long, we didn't get to talk about it. We are more than halfway through the drama. Let's talk about how many women in the palace have already perished, let's say. Of the actual concubines, there are number one, Xia Changzai. She got offed in episode three. Yu Ying, the maid turned concubine who stole Jin Huan's identity. Number three, Li Pin. She was originally part of Hua Fei's posse. She's currently still alive, but I think she she is now in the Cold Palace, Long Gong, and is now crazy. Number four, we have Chun Changzai, the cute foodie that was murdered by Hua Fei. Number five, Cao Qinmo, the devious former ally of Hua Fei, who was killed by the emperor and empress dowager. We have number six, Hua Fei. She committed suicide after learning the sad truth from the last episode. And finally, number seven, Song Zhi, Hua Fei's trusty maid. Well, actually, we have another eighth, which is the Fu Cha Guen, who turned also mentally unstable after being scared by Jin Huan, but she's not dead right now. So she's a, let's say, seven and a half. So in the past 43 episodes, we've already had many characters perish in the Imperial harem. So as we see, the Imperial harem is not a safe place for any woman to be in. There are also many other maids and eunuchs who have been killed, too, that we just didn't count. I want to take a step back to talk about how, from our 21st century perspective, worthless, I guess, women's lives were, or at least the lives of those in the Imperial harem were. Throughout the first half of the drama, we saw that women in the Imperial harem were primarily used as chess pieces to either help with matters of court or else simply as vessels for bearing children. Bearing children was an incredibly important part of Chinese culture and tradition. On one hand, it is because the infant mortality rate was very high, so it is essentially a numbers game to see which child can actually make it to adulthood. On the other hand, the more children one has, the more option one has on having a child be smart or capable enough to succeed the family business. In this case, it is a throne. After thinking through a lot of this for a while and reading up on other emperors who failed to have sons to pass the throne to, I I kind of get it. There are plenty of examples in history, both in China and in Western countries, where you have people kill many others for the throne because there was no legitimate heir. It seems that the Chinese system or the Qing dynasty system allowed for what the West would call bastard children to inherit the throne thus causing a little bit more stability to the line. There is still that distinction of being born from the primary wife versus a concubine, but any son in the Qing dynasty could technically inherit. Something else we didn't discuss in the last episode is that, at least according to the book, now you'll recall that this drama was originally based off of a book of the same name, that one of the concubines, the lovely and kind Xing Fei never got pregnant because she lived in Hua Fei's palace for a while when they were younger, and because of that, she got exposed to the harmful Huan Yi Xiang that damaged her reproductive capabilities as well. The emperor unfortunately doesn't have too many feelings for this woman, but does to some degree feel bad for her because Xing Fei is essentially collateral damage for Hua Fei. This. I think, contributes to her being promoted as she does and for her title to be Jing, which means respect. The emperor clearly respects this woman, but unfortunately does not have any love for her. Jingfei is also one of the smarter people in the palace. She knows when to keep her head down. She normally doesn't say much, but throughout the show, she has shown kindness to the likes of Jin Huan and Shen Meizhuang. She is not as aggressive as uh, Huafei, and not as manipulative as the Empress. And with that, I guess we can start off with uh, episode 34. Those were just some extra thoughts we had um, for episode 42 that we could not talk about in the last episode. And that was already a lot to discuss, and we haven't even started episode 43. One would think that we'd get a chill episode after finally having removed Huafei from the palace. Nope, we don't get that at all. The empress turns her attention immediately towards Jin Huan. Unlike Hua Fei, the empress knows exactly what to do to deal a fatal blow to Jin Huan. In this episode, secrets are revealed. We thought the special birth control fragrance was a big secret. Nope, not at all. That's relatively small compared to what's discovered here. Let's start off with the recap. It is time for the Empress Huanghou to spin her web. With Hua Fei out of the way, the Empress needs to remove her next biggest threat, Jin Huan. In this episode, let's pay special attention to the Empress's faction and the actions of its players, both in court and in the Imperial harem. We start off with a visit from the Empress to the Emperor's study involvement with court affairs has not gone unnoticed. The empress warns the emperor that women in the imperial harem should not interfere with matters of state. Ang and Qi are much better in that regard. The emperor agrees but as the empress continues to talk he dozes off. He's not listening to her at all. At this point the emperor favors Jin Huan. The emperor then makes a pit stop at his mother's palace, the empress dowager. More talk about politics, balancing power. Here though, the emperor is more explicit in his distaste for a certain Long Keduo. The emperor dealt with the general Nian Geng Yao. It is time to remove any other obstacles in his path. There is history between the empress dowager and Long duo. The empress dowager wants to persuade her son to stop, but she needs to tread carefully. We already discussed how her relationship with her son isn't as tranquil or as peaceful as it seems, so she wants to keep this, I guess, this peace right here. In the evening, the emperor is with Jin Huan. He shows her the collection of writings from Wang Jingqi, we discussed him in the last episode. This man was in league with the now deceased Nian Geng Yao. for his writings. The man was beheaded and his head was hung outside of a marketplace for ten years. Jin Huan agrees that the writings are a pile of rubbish, but she's saddened by the punishments served out to the rest of his family. They were innocent in this, anyways. The emperor disagrees. He needs to suppress any hint of rebellion with force. Little does Jin Huan know. Her sentiments of pity are being used against her, and this is only the beginning. Later that night, there's a shot of the two of them in bed together, Jin Huan and the emperor. The emperor is asleep and he mutters two words, Wan Wan. Now Wan is Jin Huan's title. Remember Jin Huan is called Wan Pin or previously Wan. Gui-wen. So she's assuming that he's calling out to her. It definitely seems like it. When the emperor leaves for court the next morning, he still calls her by that name of Wan Wan. He says to Jinhuan, Huan, Wan Wan, come back tonight. We'll dive into this a little bit later. Unfortunately, what the emperor says is overheard by An Ning she is the wonderful friend of Jin Huan, right? She was waiting outside to head to the Empress's palace together with Jin Huan. But why were you even outside? That's the question I have. An Lingrong does not hesitate to make the fact that Huang Shang the emperor called Jin Huan Wan, known to the Empress. Although An you Rong know, shares this information in a joking sort of way, saying, oh, look, the emperor even has a nickname for Jinhuan, which is Wanwan." Wan. the empress uh, has a steely look, I guess, on her face. Karen and I now know what's going on through the empress's mind because we've seen the show. She wants to use this information as a weapon. But on first watch, I also just passed off the excuse that the empress gives as something normal. Because what does the empress do? She simply chuckles, repeating, one, one, but merely says, your title is one. This is a normal nickname. The emperor really does care for you. The empress then discusses some basic details about the upcoming promotion ceremonies. She clearly says, I will have your ceremonial robe sent to you. Let's keep this in mind. Jin Huan and Shen Meidong are together, trying to see what can be done about Shen Meizhong's burn. She's been secretly refusing to take medication or ointments, just so she can flirt with the imperial doctor Wen Chu, But Jin Huan doesn't know that. I don't think Wen Shichu knows that either. <laughs> Jin Huan offers up her ointment, Shu Hongjiao that An Lingrong gifted her to Shen Meidong. Just then. The imperial doctor Wen Shichu appears for the lady's usual checkup. He, however, becomes suspicious of the ointment and requests to inspect it further. Finally, someone will look into it. Praise Wen Shichu's nose for being able to t- detect certain fragrances that other people cannot. Uh, can someone tell me if Chinese doctors are trained to have amazing noses? Or maybe just for the story purposes, we just need someone to figure out something's wrong with this ointment. think you're so happy somebody's looking into it. <laughs> At court, the new noble lady, Qi Guiren's father, shares another collection of poems with the emperor. This collection is written by a guy named Qian Ming Shi, according to Qi Guiren's father, Emin. Min. This man was a close friend of the deceased general Nian Gong Yao, so Hua Fei's brother. These two men, Nian Gong Yao and Qian Ming Shi, took the civil exams in the same year. Qi Guiyan's father, Emin, states that he discovered this collection of poems at the home of none other than Jin Yuan Dao. Who is that? Jin Huan's father. This collection is not widely printed. How could Jin Yuan Dao have gotten a copy? There must be something going on between them. Qiguan's father continues. Certain lines in the collection praise Nian Gengyao and even the now banished and imprisoned 14th and 10th princes. That makes the emperor's face turn sour. Like we mentioned in previous episodes, he is very, very suspicious of his brothers. So the emperor questions E are you saying that Yuan Dao is sympathetic towards them? Listen to what e responds with. He says, I don't know about the 14th prince, but Wan P'in or Jin Huan's leniency towards the 10th prince's son is quite telling. Well, the seeds of suspicion have been planted. The emperor is now mulling this over. Why did Jin Huan ask for leniency towards the 10th prince's son? You'll remember that the reason Jin Huan asked for leniency was because the 10th prince's wife came to see her while she was out of favor. The wife even brought some very nice ginseng to help Jin Huan recover from her miscarriage. It has nothing to do with politics or to help the 10th prince. The emperor also conveniently forgot that Jin Huan was instrumental in coming up with ideas on bringing down the 10th prince. This is also quite nefarious because how did Tiguan's father Amin grab this collection of poems from Zhen Dao? Like why would he have this lying around? Yes, yeah, such a sneaky little man. Right, but the emperor doesn't think about this at all either. It looks like that whole scene was nothing but a scheme. Concocted by the Empress, the Empress and Tigran try to plan out their next move after hearing of the Emperor's lack of reaction during the meeting, because apparently the Emperor didn't really say much. They are doing their hardest to knock Jin Huan down using Tigran's father as a tool. To be honest, I'm somewhat surprised that the two of them are scheming uh, so quickly after the fall of Hua Fei, but after further reflection, it makes sense. These two women are both from the Manchu banners, and they want the Manchu women to be in favor in the palace, not Han women. Naturally, the two Manchu women would band together and uh, find ways to take down Jin Huan. Let's see if Jin Huan recognizes the trap. The emperor now comes to Jin Huan's palace to test her. Dun dun dun. He brings out the collection of poems from Tianming Ming Shi, but doesn't say anything as to who wrote it or the background. He just has her read it. She flips through it and dismisses the poems, stating that they're nothing special. The emperor starts his questioning. I agree, these poems aren't great. Who do you think would have a copy? Jin Huan responds, well, I guess it would be someone who's like friend or family of the author. Wrong answer number one. This confirms the emperor's suspicion that Jin Huan's father is friendly with the author. He then presses on. I believe these poems are nothing but pointless adulations for certain individuals. The author must be punished. Jin Huan responds, I didn't see anything too terrible. Wrong answer number two. She's making light of the emperor's statements. The emperor asks his final question. But these poems praise the tenth prince. What do you think I should do? Jin Huan hesitates, but still decides leniency should be the way to go. Wrong answer number three. This reaffirms what the emperor heard earlier from Qi Quian's father. Jin Huan is sympathetic to the tenth prince. How dare she? I guess that's three strikes against Jin Huan. The emperor's face doesn't change, but the mood shifts immediately. He decides not to stay the night. Gen Huan has absolutely no idea what just happened. Girl, you're too good-natured and that will get you killed. It's not time to be soft. The emperor looks extremely sour in his carriage when he leaves. I do also want to point out that the emperor changes his opinion very quickly. We talked about Cao Timo in the last episode of not realizing that he that she was on the bad side of the emperor we see that here too. Jin Huan doesn't realize that she's doing anything wrong. She may be the same person that she always was but now the emperor is not willing to uh I guess believe her anymore. It is now time for the consort ceremony. This is quite an honor. Jin Huan has only been in the imperial harem for a few years, and she is already a consort or fei. Everyone in her palace is excited for the special day. Jin Huan is about to change, but just as the servants bring out her consort ceremonial robe, everyone gasps. There is a huge gash on the robe. She hurriedly summons the head eunuch of the imperial interior department, Wu Fu. He comes and is also perplexed at what happened. These ceremonial robes are custom made. There's not enough silk for a quick repair. The eunuch suddenly remembers that the empress recently had a robe brought out for repair. By the looks of it, it seemed to be a ceremonial robe. It might be a bit old, but that might work. With no other options, Jin Huan quickly changes into this new robe. What would you say? It's a dark rouge color, like a, like dark, a purpley yeah. eggplant color. It's very extravagant, and I personally really, really like Jin Huan's headdress. Everything seems good to go, but Jin Huan's maid, Jin Xi, makes a curious comment. She says, I seem to have seen this robe before, but she can't remember where and when. Jin Huan hurries over to the Empress's palace for the final uh, ceremonies and greetings. The emperor and the empress are seen getting ready. The empress, though, mysteriously has a migraine. She says she'll have to wait for a little bit. She urges the emperor to head over first. What a master player. She slowly laid her trap, and Jin Huan is about to fall right in. The emperor walks out to the main room. A woman has her back towards him and is hidden behind a thin veil. He is stunned at the scene. How could she be here? The emperor, showing the largest eyes we will ever see in the show, is astonished. He rushes over to the woman, calling out, Wan Wan. He pauses right before the screen and says once more, Wan Wan, you're finally back. He grabs her hand, caressing it. The woman finally presents herself. The veil is lifted. I, Jin Huan, greet your majesty. The Emperor cannot believe his ears and eyes. He pulls apart the veil to see Jin Huan in utter shock. He first asks, How is it you? Then he demands, Where did you get this robe? How dare you? Jin Huan, realizing something's wrong, immediately kneels. Right on cue, the Empress Huang Ho arrives, looks at Jin Huan, and exclaims, Oh my goodness, how can you be wearing the Empress Chun Yuan's robe? The Empress reprimands her maid. How could this have happened? The maid gives a sob story about how they brought this out for repair, but somehow she forgot to pack it and it ended up on Jin Huan. The Empress is um beside herself. She then looks at Jin Huan, How dare you? Out of all of the empress's clothes to take, why this one? The empress is such a great actress. This is why she is a master manipulator. She spun this web for Jin Huan to fall into, and Jin Huan never even thought twice. She also behaves in a way that deflects any culpability of her being involved in this mistake. The emperor, of course, remembers. This is the robe that Chun Yuan wore the first time he ever met her. He orders Jin Huan to take it off. The Empress continues her act. I'm sure this was an accident. Why did you do it? Jin Huan dutifully takes it off and tells the truth that this was just a mistake. She didn't know what was going on. But the Emperor is livid. The Empress then puts a nail in the coffin and begins to say, Wan fate or..." Consort one, the emperor, in his maddened state, coldly responds. She may have received her seal, but she has yet to complete all of the rituals. She is not a consort. Go back to your palace and reflect on your mistakes. The order travels fast to her palace. Everyone is to be put under house arrest. The head eunuch that came up with the idea for this swap, killed. Poor guy. This eunuch was actually placed into this role by none other than the Empress. She totally used him like a worthless pawn. And you know very well that she probably told this eunuch the idea of making the swap. Jin Hwan is alone in her room. She has now realized the sad truth and confronts her maid Jinxi about it. She states, "I look like the deceased empress, Twin Yan Dong'ai. Is this why you came to my palace? This must be what Duan Fei meant when she first saw me. Is this why the emperor favors me?" Jin Huan is absolutely heartbroken. The truth has finally been revealed to her, and she has no idea what to do next. I will commend Jinxi. She is still trying to analyze the situation. She never served Yuan. The eunuch that was killed also didn't. Jinxi correctly guesses that this was all a setup. With this, Zhen Huan finally realizes that this was all a trap set by the empress. Who else could have ordered the robe to be laid out of the deceased empress Chunyuan? Who else could have had her original robe destroyed? There's only one person in the palace, and that is the Empress Huang Ho. Well, this is uh, just heartbreaking for even us, the viewers. Jin Huan has lost favor with the emperor, and she didn't even realize she did anything wrong. She realizes now that she never actually had favor with the empress, and this time she wore the empress Chun Yuan's clothes, which seems to be an absolutely fatal mistake. There doesn't seem to be any hope for redemption. She says to herself, I am nothing but a replacement. Jin Huan ends up crying in the palace all alone. Elsewhere in the palace, the empress and her little posse are celebrating at her palace. An Ling Yong is now a pin or concubine, which is the same level as Jin Huan. So if you recall... The Empress was really smart in saying that An Lingrong needs to be friends or buddy-buddy with Jin Huan because good things will happen to her. Look, An Lingrong has no family background or money, but she is now a peen. Very good. Can I also just say that I'm not a huge fan of An Lingrong's new hairstyle. Her bangs are pulled up, so I feel like she looks a little bit more se- severe. I prefer her with bangs. Just a side note. This scene is just a summary of the events of this episode. The empress truly lets everything out of the bag, from the robe to the collection of poems. They were all just traps in the empress's plan. She even evilly thanks her sister while caressing the robe as without her sister, none of this can be achieved. This time, she's confident that even if the emperor forgives Jin Huan, Jin Huan will not want the emperor anymore. The episode ends with Jin Huan's one true friend, Shen Meizhuang, trying to request an audience with the emperor, empress, and empress dowager but to no avail. It's looking hopeless for Jin Huan. That was the recap for the episode. Let's get into our analysis. In this episode, I will be honest, I don't really like this episode. I much prefer when Hua Fei was out gallivanting around being a really mean person. This, I just really don't like this episode. Here in episode 43, we start to see the players in the Imperial court and Imperial Harem finally turning their attention and vitriol towards Jin Huan. Before, Hua Fei was always the one everyone was wary of. With her death, the ladies of the Imperial Harem have nothing else to do, I guess, and now have a new target, Jin Huan. We see again in this episode that while Jin Huan has matured significantly throughout the years in the imperial harem in Hou Gong, she is still quite a novice when compared to the empress. Just when Jin Huan thought she could live peacefully in the rest of the imperial harem, she faced faceless enemies. Even her poor father got dragged into it. Because of these poem collections, the emperor is no longer a fan of her father. The one key thing I will say about this is don't write poems that you keep anywhere. In the last two episodes, two people got in lots of trouble writing poems. Let's first start off by looking into the collection of poems by the man Tian Ming Shi. Born in 1660, he met the general Nian Gongyao on their way towards the civil service entrance exams. This Qian Ming Shi did pretty well on the exams and was praised for his scholarly talents. He actually worked on the history of Ming, one of the official Chinese historical works, which proves his talents. In 1724, Qian Ming Shi wrote some poems for the then-popular Nian Geng Yao, who was on his way to quash the rebellion in the Northwest. The four lines that are most questionable are the following. Here, Qian Ming Shi compares Nian Geng-yao to the Duke of Shao, who helped the legendary king of Zhou defeat the kingdom of Shang. And he compares Nian Yao to the legendary generals of the Han dynasty. He is comparing Nian Yao's achievements to these legendary generals throughout history to really just praise him. This can be outsized, and you can understand why the emperor is upset at hearing these types of praising poems. The following phrase is even more problematic. It goes like this. Zhongding Okay, these are a bit tough, so I had to practice a lot to say this. So why is this phrase problematic? It basically translates to, during the emperor Kangxi's reign, which is our current emperor's father, the 14th prince successfully won battles in Tibet. The emperor built a monument in his honor. The merits of the general Niangongyao Yao weren't another monument. This right now is equating um, Nian Gung Yao's successes in the Northwest or Uh, his previous uh, military merits to what um, the emperor Kansi deemed as appropriate for the 14th prince elevating him to a status of a prince but even so this is very problematic because the 14th prince is not favored by our current emperor why would you uh, praise him or just mention this even these collection of poems were written in 1724 when Niang Gongyao had favor. To the unsuspecting person, this would have been great. These poems praise the general and his achievements. Unfortunately, Nian Gongyao is now dead, and the emperor has banished his brother, the 14th prince. These two phrases could be construed as treason for praising a criminal. These four lines are actually indeed the ones that got ming Shi in trouble in 1726 or these are the ones most frequently mentioned in history. I will give props to the show for being accurate here. Qian Ming-shi was stripped of his commission and sent packing back to his hometown. And that wasn't even it for his punishment. The (laughs) emperor Yongzheng personally wrote a plaque with the words Ming-jiao-zui-ren, or how I'll translate it to, to be famous criminal. The emperor ordered that Qian ming had to hang this plaque on his front door. Local officials checked in on the 1st and 15th of each month to see if the plaque was still there. Talk about petty. <laughs> oh, dang, yeah, this is like, he is so petty. <laughs> the emperor did some more things to this guy, but we'll just leave it at that. The emperor really did not like this guy or just wanted to set an example for others. <laughs> I just thought that that was pretty funny while I was doing research on this. Whole situation. I never knew that he was so petty. Oh, our emperor right here. Actually, pretty petty in real life. <laughs> Let's move on to talk about why Huang Ho, the Empress, orchestrated this whole thing. I don't think she would have done this, or at least wanted to destroy Jin Huan so quickly. If it wasn't for An Lingrong relaying to Huang Hou, the Empress that Huang Shang called Jin Huan Wan Wan, if you recall, early in the episode we said that Huang Shang, in his dream, called Jin Huan Wan Wan and was overheard by An Lingrong. This is discussed more fully in later episodes. But Wan Wan was the nickname of the deceased first wife, Huang Shang's true love. This slip made Ho incredibly jealous as it meant that Huangsheng is falling even harder for Jin Huan. Jin Huan's favoritism will be so powerful that A, it could threaten the empress's title, which the empress sees above all else, and B, the emperor will fully rely or fall for Jin Huan moving forward. The empress could not have this and chose to strike. But the empress is masterful in how she strikes. This revelation that Jin Huan looks like the deceased first wife was not to make the emperor mad. Yes, he will be upset, but if Jin Huan forgives him and throws herself back at him like she did before after her miscarriage, nothing will change. The empress chose to act in this way to show jin huan that a huge part of her favoritism is because she looks like the former empress it means jin huan has nothing to do than be a replacement the emperor doesn't love her for her but rather because she reminds him of his first wife the empress sees that jin huan is incredibly proud and will not accept being someone's shadow After this discovery, Jin Huan will not want to look back and fight for favoritism, thus be eliminated as a threat for good for the empress. This is the result that the empress wants. By the looks of it, the empress, leveraging Qi Guiyin's father in the imperial court and this tactic in the harem, is succeeding. The whole interlude of the collection of poems were nothing more than Uh, a plot device, I guess, or an actual device to sow seeds of suspicion and disappointment in the emperor's mind. If Jin Huan still had the sterling reputation, the emperor might not have been this angry. The emperor is a deeply suspicious man and he was already questioning her and her father's loyalty. This whole robe fiasco was just another whammy. And look at the sequence of events that the empress Kind of deploys first suspicion and then the robe. She is a uh, one who I aspire to, but as in like, in a plotting perspective, I guess I shouldn't I should learn from her. <laughs> Hints of this similarity and resemblance were embedded throughout the drama as far back as episode 1, when Jin Huan was going through the court selection to be a concubine in the palace. If you go back to watch. The Emperor was surprised by her and her appearance the moment he saw her. We now know it is because Jin Huan looks a lot like his deceased first wife. The main reason why the Empress Dowager, who was also present in that scene, tried so hard to prevent Jin Huan from entering the palace in that episode was also because she saw that Jin Huan looked like Chuan Yuan. The Empress Dowager knows all she knows that the moment Jin Huan comes to the palace she's going to cause drama and what happened Jin Huan came to the palace and it's causing drama <laughs> later in episode two when uh, discussing the woman selected to court Huang Ho the Empress even made the comment that it is rumored that Jin Huan looked or looks almost exactly like she doesn't finish the phrase but we now know that it was a reference to her sister or to the first wife, Yuan. The emperor's response at that point was that her eyes were similar, but that was it. There are many other references and examples to this connection, but those were very obvious right from the beginning of the drama. This is why you should also go back to listen or watch not only the drama, but listen to our podcast because we Tried to talk about this in the beginning. This is a really big reveal for Jin Huan, and a heartbreaking one at that. She realized that her favoritism is because she looks like someone else. She gained favor so easily because of her appearance, and now she loses favor because of her appearance as well. Unfortunately, this isn't even the end of this story. Let's end today's episode, though, on a lighthearted note, because like I said, I don't like this episode. It's really sad. I'm upset for Jin Huan. So what is this funny story? A very meta fact about this entire show is that the actress for Jin Huan, her name is Sun Li, looks very similar to the actor for the emperor's real-life wife. Her name is Jiang Qinqin an actress who retired for the most part after she married Chen Jianbin, the actor for The Emperor. Fans joke about this all the time that Chun Yuan, the deceased first wife, is pretty much Jiang Qin Qin. Chun Yuan never makes an appearance in the drama, but there is a lot of fan art depicting Jiang Qin, Qin as Chun Yuan. Like, if you Google Chun Yuan right now, I did it literally like before recording this episode. And if in English and you need need it romanticized, it's C-H-U-N space Y-U-A-N. The pictures for her is just a bunch of pictures with Jiang Qingqing's face photoshopped onto pictures from empresses in the palace. Like they just plastered Jiang Qingqing's face over Sun Li or Jin Huan's face. And... There are a bunch of them where there are comparisons, so you see, wow, they do actually look quite similar. What is even more coincidental is that when the actress for Jin Huan, Sun Li, first started acting, her nickname in the industry was actually Little Jiang Qingqing. People noted their similarities long before Sun Li took this role. Jiang Qingqin, or the wife of the actor, Chen Jianbin, was extremely famous in mainland China. So she was the more popular woman in the, the yeah, in the early 2000s when Sun Li first started acting. I think late 2010s, I would say, or late 2000, late 2000s. No, I think throughout the 2000s. Yep. Now that's not the case anymore since Jiang Qingqing doesn't have as many works under her name as Sun Li since like we mentioned she retired after marrying Chen Jianbing and having a child. I do highly recommend you google Jiang Qin as well j-i-a-n-g space q-i-n space q-i-n she is absolutely gorgeous. Another big joke <laughs> about this entire thing is how can she this beautiful woman she is like One of the women who are, who are always ranked very high, who is ranked very highly on all of the like the top 10 most beautiful women in the 2000s list. Like, how did she end up with Chen Jianbin? I'll tell you the true story is that they, the two of them acted in the same drama called Cao Jia Da Yuan. And that's how they got together. And afterwards she like disappeared from, um, or retired from the industry. But still, lots of people are like, how did she end up with him? I'm sure he's a lovely, lovely guy. It's just a joke. (laughs) Right. I'm I'm sure he's lovely. But just from an appearance perspective, she is so gorgeous. And he, um, I will just say, isn't as gorgeous. So I will never get it. (laughs) Well, that's it for today's episode. As always, if you have any questions or comments, please contact us at ChasingDramasPodcast at gmail.com. We will catch you in the next episode.